Chapter Thirteen of Grace Harlowe's Third Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen. Arline makes the best of a bad matter. What shall we do for our eight girls this year? Asked Grace reflectively of Arline Thayer. It was barely two weeks until Christmas, and the two girls had decided to spend their half holiday in doing the Overton stores. I know the stock better than the saleswomen themselves do, chuckled Arline. But it is great fun to go on exploring expeditions and watch other people buy the things. Of course I always buy something too, unless I am deep in that state of temporary poverty that lies in wait for me at the end of every month. Of course you do, agreed Grace with an answering chuckle, even though it is a hat and you feel obliged to dispose of it before going home so that the Morton house girls won't laugh at you. "'Who told you about it?' asked Arline in a half-fexed tone. "'You told me. Don't you remember?' asked Grace. "'Oh, yes, of course. Wasn't I a goose?' "'Thank you,' bowed Grace mockingly. "'Oh, I don't mean because I told you,' apologized Arline hastily. "'I mean, wasn't I a goose to buy it? It was in this very store. It looked so pretty. I was determined to have it. Outside the store it looked quite different.' It was a perfectly honest dollar-and-a-half hat. But in a store under the electric lights, it was really a pretentious affair. Ruth was with me at the time, and wise little pilot that she is tried to steer me past it, but I was determined to have it. After I left Ruth, I opened the box and looked at it in broad daylight, and then I happened to meet my washerwoman's daughter, and I gave it to her. It was so fortunate I met her, wasn't it? finished Arline plaintively. For the washerwoman's daughter, yes, returned Grace. It served me right for buying it. I spend too much money foolishly, said Arline self-accusingly. I'm going to stop being so reckless. Suppose my father were to lose all his money, and I couldn't even come back to college next year. I would, though. I'd go and live with Ruth and borrow enough money off the Semper Fidelis Club to see me through my senior year. Then I suppose I'd have to teach or something afterward. I think it would be or something. I don't believe teaching is my vocation. Grace listened in smiling silence to Arline's remarks. A vision of the little blue-eyed, golden-haired girl who always did exactly as she pleased in the prim guise of a teacher was infinitely diverting. You haven't answered my question about our girls yet, reminded Grace, as they walked down the centre aisle of the larger of the two Overton stores, stopping frequently at the various counters to examine the display of holiday wares. "'Haven't you any suggestions?' counter-questioned Arline. "'I've been depending on you for inspiration.' "'Nothing new or original,' answered Grace doubtfully. "'Last year's stunt was beautifully carried out, "'but we can't repeat it this year without running the risk "'of someone finding out just who our eight girls are and all about them. "'Then, too, what we did last year was on the spur of the moment. "'If we tried to do the same thing this year, it might fall flat, "'on account of it being too carefully planned.' Besides, these girls have the privilege of borrowing from the Semper Fidelis Fund now, and I imagine most of them have done so. Of course, only the treasurer knows that. It looks to me as though there were more real need of a little Christmas cheer, declared Arline thoughtfully. Couldn't we arrange some kind of entertainment to take place before we all go? But that wouldn't seem much like Christmas unless it happened on Christmas Day, objected Grace. We'll all be at home then. Why not have a talk with Miss Barlow? proposed Arline eagerly. You are the one to do it. You know her better than I do. 
Suppose we call upon her within the next few days. Then you can find out what she and her friends intend to do. If she says they're all going to stay here, then ask her if she wouldn't like to... Arlene paused and looked rather helplessly at Grace. That's as far as I can go, she confessed. I haven't the least idea of what I should ask her. I'm equally destitute of ideas, agreed Grace. Perhaps the inspiration is yet to come. It will have to come soon, then, or we won't have the time to carry it out, commented Arlene dryly. Keep it in mind, and if you think of anything, let me know instantly, won't you? Grace gave the desired promise and thought no more of it until she and Arline almost came into violent collision just outside the library the following Monday evening. "'Grace Harlowe!' exclaimed the little girl. "'I was coming to Wayne Hall to see you the instant I finished here. "'It has come, Grace, the great inspiration. "'But it is a dreadful disappointment to me.' Several big tears chased each other down Arline's rosy cheeks. Her lip quivered, and with a little choking sob, she sat down on the lowest step of the library and began to cry softly. "'Arline, dear child, whatever is the matter?' cried Grace in quick alarm. A moment later she had slipped to the step beside Arline, passing one arm about her friend's shoulder. She could scarcely believe this weeping, disconsolate little creature to be the smiling, self-assured Arline Thayer, who was forever receiving flowers from admiring freshman crushes. "'Father's going to Europe on important business,' quavered Arlene brokenly. "'He he sails tomorrow morning, and he can't possibly return before the middle of January.' She raised her sad little face to Grace's sympathetic one. Then, straightening up, she went on bravely. "'We had so many lovely Christmas plans.' "'Come home with me, Arlene,' begged Grace. "'I'd love to have you.' Arline shook her blonde head, at the same time slipping her hand into Grace's. "'I thought of that, too,' she returned softly. "'I was going to ask you if I might come home with you for Christmas. "'Then Ruth and I had a talk. "'I had asked her to come home with me, "'and she had refused because she is so afraid of outwearing her welcome. "'Then came Father's letter. "'Ruth was a dear about it. "'She said at once that if I wished to go home, "'and felt that I needed her, she would go.' "'but I couldn't bear to think of spending Christmas in that big, lonely house. "'Tis father that makes it seem so wonderful to go home.' "'Arlene's lip quivered piteously. "'He and I could be happy if we were the poorest of the poor. "'You must visit me sometime, Grace. "'Perhaps we could have an Easter house party. "'Wouldn't that be splendid?' "'Arlene's woe-begone face brightened. "'Grace patted her hand. "'Get up, Arlene, before someone sees you,' she advised. Whoever heard a proud little Daffy Down Dilly Thayer crying like an ordinary mortal? Grace went on soothing Arline in this half serious fashion, which presently had its effect. You are so comforting, Grace, sighed Arline as she rose from the steps, an expression of gratitude in her pretty blue eyes. Can't you walk over to the house with me? I want you to hear my plan and tell me what you think of it. I could put off my lively business until tomorrow, reflected Grace, smiling a little. It will be a case of doing as I please instead of doing as I ought. Still, as a loyal member of the Semper Fidelis, it is my duty to comfort my sorrowing comrades. Don't you think so? Arline laughed an almost happy response to Grace's question. But I mustn't stay long, warned Grace a little later, as, seated opposite Arline in the latter's room, she awaited the unfolding of Arline's inspiration. I'm going to stay here for Christmas, announced Arline with the finality of one who knows her own mind. Ruth is coming up to live with me for the whole vacation, too. That isn't the inspiration, though. 
That is only the first part of it. The second part is that Ruth and I are going to see the eight girls and all the others who aren't going away from Overton. What do you think of that? I think it is dear in you, Arline, responded Grace very earnestly. I only wish I might stay to help you. However, father and mother have first claim on my vacation. But let me help you plan and get things ready before I go. I'll be here until a week from next Thursday, you know. Oh, I shall need you, Arline assured Grace. I thought we might have Christmas dinner at Vinton's and Martell's, too. I've thought it all out. Both restaurants depend largely on the Overton girls' patronage. Naturally, they are very dull at Christmas time. My idea was to interview both proprietors and see if for once they won't combine and furnish the same menu at the same price per plate. The price to be not more than fifty cents. It must be just an old-fashioned turkey dinner with plenty of dressing and vegetables. We must have plum pudding, too, and all the things that go with a real Christmas dinner. But neither Vinton's nor Martell's would serve that sort of Christmas dinner for fifty cents, said Grace slowly. I don't wish to discourage you, but— I know that, too, broke in Arlene eagerly. But no one else need know. I'm going to take my check the father always gives me for theatres and things when I'm at home, and spend it to make up the difference, or more than cover the extra expense of the dinner. I'd like to give the dinner to the girls, but of course that is out of the question. They wouldn't like it. However, if they are allowed to pay fifty cents for it, they'll feel independent, and nine chances out of ten won't trouble themselves about the actual cost of the dinner, as have some persons I might mention," ended Arline meaningly. Both girls laughed, then Grace said admiringly, "'Tis a splendidly unselfish idea, and you and Ruth are the very ones to carry it out. Shall you have a play or anything afterward? Yes, if we can find a good one. I thought we might have a New Year's masquerade party here. It will be an innovation for these girls. I'm not very sure of anything yet, except that I'm not going to New York, and that I must do something to amuse myself while the rest of my friends are reposing in the bosoms of their families. After all, mine is really a selfish motive," said the little girl whimsically. Hush! exclaimed Grace, laying her hand lightly against Arlene's lips. I shall not allow you to say such slighting things of yourself. I have just one remark to make. Be very diplomatic, Arlene. If any of these girls who can't afford to go home for the holidays were even to imagine themselves objects of charity, your dinner plan would be a failure. Don't tell a soul about it except Ruth. I know, nodded Arlene wisely. I have thought of that too. Never fear, I won't breathe it to another soul. My half an hour is more than up exclaimed Grace ruefully, glancing toward the little French clock on Arlene's chiffonier. I must hurry away this instant. I'll see you again in a day or two. I'm so sorry for your disappointment. You're the bravest little daffy down dilly. If my prospects of going home were suddenly swept away, I'm afraid I'd be too busy with my own woes to think about making other people happy. You will do just what I'm planning to do, Grace Harlow, declared Arlene emphatically. After all, perhaps it is just as well I can't always have my own way. I might become a monument of selfishness. There doesn't seem to be much danger of it, laughed Grace as she put on her hat and slipped into her long coat. There's a strong possibility, however, that not prepared will be my watchword tomorrow. I think I shall write a theme on the decline of the art of study and use personal illustrations. It seems such a shame that Midyears had to come skulking along on the very heels of Christmas, doesn't it? Arlene nodded. I haven't looked at my French for tomorrow either, she confessed, and I've been saying not prepared for the last two recitations. 
Ruth and I have planned a systematic study campaign during vacation, so you see the ill wind will blow some little good, she concluded wistfully. Grace smiled very tenderly at the little golden-haired girl who was bearing her cross bravely, almost gaily. Good night, little Daffy Downdilly, she said impulsively, bending to kiss Arline's rosy cheek. I think you can teach all of us a lesson in real unselfishness. End of chapter 13 Recording by Ashley Jane